0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Worcester Talking News, recorded on Thursday the 17th of August and brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind and with permission of the Worcester News. I'm Pippa Curtis and sitting in the studio with me here today is Catherine Neal. Hello. Phil Lee. Hello. And Jane Fairs. Hello. And on the other side of the glass is John Plush as our recording engineer. He's waving. And thank you, as always, to Carol and her team on Copying and Admin. I'd like to extend a warm welcome to any new listeners that we have today and hope you enjoy our recording. As always, we will include, first of all, a list of useful telephone numbers, then a what's on in the local theatres, etc., followed by the headline stories, a selection of general news stories, some sport, and then finishing up with a thought for the week, sunrise and sunset times, and, of course, the birthday file. If we don't have a record of your birthday and you'd like to be included, please get in touch and we'll add you to the file. Obituaries are now recorded after the closing music. We love hearing from you, so if you have any comments or problems, a message can be left on the answer phone on 01905 767 Alternatively, just put a note in your wallet. Finally, the service is free to users, but if you'd like to make a donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5, 1DA. And talking of donations, I would like to thank Mrs. Anne Briggs, and we received a donation from her today. So thank you very much, Anne. It's most appreciated. So we'll start this week, as we always do, with the telephone numbers, which Jane is going to read for us. Talking Newspaper, Colin
1: Chance House, 01905 767766. Listeners should be aware that this is not manned daily and need to be patient if a reply is required. Police, non-emergency, 101. NHS Direct, 111. Out of hours, medical assistance, 0300 123 one between 6 and 8 p.m. Crime Stoppers 0800 555 111. Worcester Hub 01905 765 765 Worcestershire County Council here to help 01905 768053 option 3 Community Risk Team Fire Safety 0800 032 1155. Domestic Abuse Helpline. 0800 980 3331. Sense Adventures Walking for Visually Impaired. D. Jones 01684 819 796 or www uk, Samaritans 116123 Worcester Live 01905 611427 Theatres 01684 892277 Worcester Wheels for Transport 01905 8.30am to 4.30pm. Link Nurseries at Powick have a session for Visually Impaired on Friday mornings. 01 905 831 881 for more information.
0: And I've got a list here, well not a list, but some ideas for what's on in our area over the next few days. And starting with uh, Worcestershire's largest free annual art event the Worcestershire Open Studios is back. It starts on Saturday the 19th of August and continues through to the 28th. This year it's even bigger with 97 venues showcasing 128 artists, 40 of whom are taking part for the first time. All studios are free to visit and for full details visit the Worcestershire Open Studios website which is unsurprisingly, lowercase, all lowercase, Studios.org.uk Now, if country music's your thing, then head over to Malvern on Friday, August the 25th, where the Malvern theatres are putting on the big country music show. Billed as a two-hour extravaganza of classic country and Western music, the all-live big, bland, big band plus three singers We'll be belting out hits such as I Feel Like a Woman, The Gambler and Take It Easy. The show starts at 7.45pm in the evening and tickets start at twenty pound—sorry, twenty-six sorry £26.50. For further details on tickets, contact the box office on 01684 Now with it being the summer holidays, a lot of the theatres are putting on shows principally for children. So, for example, from August the 24th to the 27th, the Swan Theatre showcasing three different productions, Dinosaur Live on the Thursday, then on the Friday and Saturday it's The Snail and the Whale, and Pop Princesses on the Sunday. That's not going to appeal to everyone, but for those who are interested, I suggest you get in touch with the Swan Direct on 01905. 611427 for more details of those performances. So we'll move now on to the headline stories and Catherine will begin by reading you all the headlines and then the very first story from last Friday.
2: Thank you, Pippa. So the headline story last Friday, August 11th, was 600 GP appointments missed in one week. Please cancel plea as hundreds of people in Doctors no show. Over the weekend, the headline for Saturday and Sunday was Losing a Child is a Desperate Feeling. Dad Speaks of Family Pain After Boxing Tragedy. On Monday, the headline was What Were They Thinking? Shocking footage released of toddlers and schoolchildren playing on rail tracks. On Tuesday, the headline was Delhi's Late Night Plan Condemned. Residents Fear Noise Levels Will Double. On Wednesday, the headline was Charity Champion Gave Lifetime of Service to the City Tributes to Respected Counsellor Who Has Died Age 74 And today's headline is Thieves Snatch Bike Off Vulnerable Boy Teen Left Shaken After Daylight Theft So I'll begin by reading the headline story for last Friday 600 GP appointments missed in one week Hundreds of missed GP appointments were recorded across the city in a week, with one surgery experiencing a record number of no-shows. People failed to show up for an appointment more than 600 times at doctors across Worcester, while one surgery, Barbourne Health Centre, pleaded for patients to cancel to free up slots for other people. Barbourne Health Centre on Droitwich Road had a record 40 patients not attend their appointments last week, which equates to 8.5 hours of clinician time. Debbie Weston, practice manager at Barbourne Health Centre, said there was a number of ways people can let the surgery know if they're unable to make their appointments. She said, we're trying to highlight patient failure to attend pre-booked appointments As with current demand, it wastes a lot of much-needed appointment time. We have phone, text and email access, so no reason why patients cannot let us know if they're unable to attend. If they did this, it would be very much appreciated. David McDowell, Patient Services Manager at Worcester City Primary Care Network, said they know there will be times when patients cannot make it to their booked appointments – some will have reasons that they can't let us know, that genuinely can't be helped. However, our PCN as a whole saw over 600 missed appointments in the last week alone, so we'd ask all patients in Worcester City to please let us know if you need to counsel, by phone, text or online, as soon as you can, so that our practices can give your appointment to a patient who needs it instead. Councillor Neil Laurenson, Worcester City Councillor for St Stephen's Ward, also stressed how frustrating it must be for the staff at the practice. He said, I heard about missed appointments at Barbourne Medical Centre. It's obviously very frustrating when someone who's unable to attend an appointment doesn't then contact their GP to let them know and rearrange. While it can be difficult to cancel an appointment by telephone, Barbourne Medical Centre has made it possible for people to cancel by other means.
3: Thank you. And Saturday's headline was Losing a child is a desperate feeling. A dad whose son died at a Worcester charity boxing match has said that he hopes lessons will be learned so that no other family goes through what they have. Dominic Chapman died after fighting in the ultra white collar boxing event held at Tramp's Nightclub on april the 9th last year. Paramedics battled to save Dominic, who attended Blessed Edward Corn Catholic College, Worcester Sixth Form College and the University of Worcester, after he suffered serious injuries after collapsing in the ring. Dominic from Droitwich later died in hospital. Recalling that horrific day, Dominic's dad, John, said, Dominic had never boxed before, he was 26, he had his own mind and he wanted to raise money for charity. Dominic sat with the family watching the early fights before getting ready, and John expressed surprise at how competitive the early fights were. Dominic's fight was actually quite tepid, he said. He had won the fight and was walking back to his corner and collapsed. The corner man tried to grab him to sit on the stool, but Dominic had lost all his strength. Dominic was unconscious before receiving treatment and taken to the Queen Elizabeth Hospital. They carried my son out through the crowd, through the arena, into the ambulance outside, Mr Chapman said. It was an undignified manner with no privacy. They continued with the boxing, which I found disgusting. The loss of a child, the feeling, is a desperate one. John said he had been speaking to the British Boxing Board of Control about ultra-white-collar boxing events, saying he wanted to see a stronger safety net and improvements for worst-case scenarios. Dominic's inquest is to be held later this year, with John saying he hoped it would provide the answers to what had happened. As a family, we don't want another family to go through what we have gone through, he added. A spokesman for Ultra White Collar Boxing said, Everyone at Ultra White Colour Boxing, Colour Boxing was left devastated by Dominic's death, and our deepest sympathies and condolences remain with his family and friends. The safety of our participants is of the utmost importance to us and it is for that reason that we have developed a first-class system to ensure this. At each of our events, a trauma-trained paramedic and two medical technicians are in attendance, along with a fully equipped ambulance. All ultra-white-collar boxing events have a minimum of three medical staff in attendance, as well as a fully stocked frontline ambulance. Our matching process is constantly scrutinised, and there are strict measures in place to ensure that all those taking part are evenly matched. We would point out that our injury rates are extremely low when compared to other commonly played sports. Ultra-white-collar boxing is not ruled by a governing body and regulates itself to ensure that the highest safety standards are adhered to.
1: And this is for Monday, August the 14th, and the headline is What Were They Thinking? Shocking footage released of toddlers and school children playing on rail tracks. Shocking footage has captured toddlers playing, dogs posing and even a schoolboy doing press-ups on railway tracks in Worcestershire. The footage showing a series of near misses, all captured on level crossings in the county this year, has been released by Network Rail to highlight the dangers of walking on train tracks. In some of the video clips, the pedestrians are just seconds away from being hit by a fast-speed train. In one clip, a man is seen on his phone, while two children play on the railway tracks, despite being able to hear an oncoming train. The youngest even tries to get the adult's attention by saying, ''I can hear a train coming.'' Another clip shows two dog walkers rushing to the other side of the footpath just eight seconds before a high-speed train passes after urging their pets to sit in the middle of the crossing. Two boys were also caught placing ballast stories on the track so that they were run over by the trains. Network Rail has released the footage of people misusing the train tracks after nearly 50 dangerous incidents were caught by hidden cameras or reported by train drivers across Worcestershire and West Midlands this year. The location of where the incidents have taken place has not been revealed by Network Rail. Alexander France, Network Rail Level Crossing Safety Manager, said... In so many of the incidents filmed, the difference of just a few seconds could have led to tragedy for those involved. I can't downplay the danger they were in, with serious injury or worse, a huge possibility. No matter how well you think you know a crossing, all users must obey the rules around using level crossings every time they use it. It just really isn't worth the risk. Network rail level crossing safety teams are now visiting the problem crossing to directly warn people of the dangers of the railway. During the visits, they will hand out leaflets and explain to passers-by that people using footpath level crossings should concentrate, it's easy to get distracted, especially by phones, music and conversation, stop, look and listen follow signs and instructions check both ways before crossing if there is a train crossing if there is a train coming don't cross understand the warnings barriers lights and alarms visit level crossings for pedestrians to find out more cross quickly keeping children close and
0: dogs on a lead and the headline for tuesday august the 15th Delhi's late-night plan condemned. Neighbours of a city centre sandwich shop have criticised its plan to start selling alcohol and playing music after midnight. The owners of Sanger's Deli in Netherton Court off Infirmary Walk in Worcester have asked for permission to sell alcohol and play live and recorded music indoors and outdoors every day from 10am to 12.30am. The move has been condemned by residents at neighbouring Magdala Court who say they already face trouble with the Arch Rivals Brewery and the late night plans for Sanger's Deli would double the amount of noise. It's just madness to even consider when there is residential property in such close proximity, said a nearby resident. It seems to me Magdala Court residents are being completely forgotten in the development of the Arches We expect a certain disruption and noise living in the city centre, but it is already over an acceptable level. Worcester City Council's licensing subcommittee meets in the Guildhall on August 21st to decide on the application. The deli sells sandwiches and pizza and currently opens on Wednesdays and Thursdays from 5pm to 9.30pm and up to 10.30pm on Fridays and Saturdays. It was set up by Worcester Warriors teammates Niall Annett and Ethan Waller in 2021 in one of the city's historic railway arches, but the pair left the city following the demise of the club. Joseph Murcott then became a new director in May last year, with Anne-Marie Murcott joining in February. Trevor Chalk, an environmental health officer at Worcestershire Regulatory Services, said extending opening hours past 11pm would very clearly cause unreasonable distress. We are already receiving numerous complaints from residents of the nearby flats who are complaining about noise levels from the adjacent arch-rival premises, which is adjacent to Sanger's, and also in very close proximity to the residential properties, he said. Another Magdala Court resident said they'd been forced to leave their apartment on some evenings due to the disturbance. The noise is unbearable, even with my windows closed, the objector said. It is not acceptable at any time, and particularly on warm summer evenings when I'm trying to relax after work. Councillor Lynn Denham, who represents Cathedral Ward, said extended hours and planned activities until after midnight would be disruptive for many vulnerable residents at Magdala Court. This venue is in a residential area. There's no acknowledgement by the applicant of the significance of this and the need to be considerate of neighbours, she said. Sanger's Delhi did not respond to our request for
2: comment. Um, On Wednesday, the headline story was Tributes paid to councillor. Tributes have been flooding in for a councillor described as a hard-working champion and remembered for his lifetime of service to Worcester. Worcestershire county councillor and city councillor Andy Roberts died at home aged 74 last week. He is survived by his wife Frances who'll be married in 1974, their two children, Wayne and Victoria, and granddaughter Kim. Worcestershire County Council leader Simon Gerachty said, It is with with the greatest sadness that we've lost a dedicated and respected cabinet member, active local councillor, and for me personally, a dear friend and his thoughtful, measured and considered contributions will very much be missed by Cabinet, by Council and by the wider community in which he engaged so actively and had such a positive impact on. Mr Roberts represented Warndon Parish at both city and county councils and was the County Council Cabinet member with responsibility for children and families. A spokesperson for Wood Green Church in Warndon Villages said... We're sad to hear of the death of Andy Roberts, one of our local councillors. Andy was a good friend to us at Wood Green, a vocal supporter of our activities in the local community and an annual reader at our Christmas carol services. We're thankful to God for the tireless way he served our local community so faithfully for many years. Our prayers are with his wife Frances and their children. Mel Alcott, City and County Councillor for Claynes and leader of the Liberal Democrats in Worcestershire, added, I'm so sorry to hear of the passing of Councillor Andy Roberts. On behalf of myself and the local party, I'd like to say Andy will be missed very much. He was a hard-working councillor and real champion of charitable causes. Our thoughts are very much with Andy's family and the Worcester Conservative councillors. Mr Roberts joined Worcester City and County Fire Service as a cadet junior fireman and 37 years later retired as Assistant Chief Fire Officer of Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service. One of his former colleagues, Boris Bukowski, said, One of the best bosses I had in fire and rescue, RIP. Councillor Roberts was also chairman of the County Council's Corporate Parenting Board, and a member of both the Health and Wellbeing Board and Joint Museums Committee. Councillor Roberts was born in Worcester and was the youngest of four children. He was educated locally at St Clement's Primary School and Christopher Whitehead School for Boys.
3: And Thursday's headline was Thieves Snatch Bike Off Vulnerable Boy. A gutted teenager has had his bike worth nearly £1,000 snatched off him in broad daylight. The incident happened near the Diglis Hotel in Worcester on Monday at around lunchtime, leaving the boys shaken and upset. His family say they do not want to press charges if the bike is handed in to the police as soon as possible so that it can be returned to the teenager. The 14-year-old victim, who did not wish to be identified, was talking to the thief when he literally grabbed the bike and rode off on it, heading in the direction of Worcester cathedral. The E-Mountain bike stolen is a Carrera Vengeance E2.1 and the family says the man who stole it has been seen riding it around Warndon in Cleve Drive on Tuesday. Nick Code, the uncle of the victim, has reported the theft to West Mercia Police, although he says he has yet to hear from them. He bought the bike for £989 from Holford's for his nephew. Mr Code said, my nephew had only had it two days and he's gutted. I paid for this so that my nephew could have transport to get himself about and now he can't. I'm really annoyed and upset myself. He described the thief as having a straggly beard, tattoos and scars on his arms. The Worcester News approached West Mercia Police for comment, but they did not provide a statement. West Mercia Police crime reference provided to the family is 22_76696_23. 23 Those with any information are asked to contact West Mercia Police on their non-emergency number, which is 101.
1: And now for some um, further stories from the news over this week. And this one is from Friday, August the 11th. Its historic equipment is set to be restored. A historic piece of industrial equipment at an iconic city landmark is set to be restored to preserve the site. The crane at Diglis Island is going to be restored by the Canal and River Trust using a £20,000 grant from the Association of Industrial Archaeology. The Canal and River Trust emphasised the importance of the crane as part of the general heritage of the area. A spokesperson said... The crane is an important part of the heritage of Diglis Island and we are delighted to be able to restore it so it can play a central role in helping visitors understand the rich industrial history of the waterways in Worcester. The work will focus primarily on repairs to secure the cab and to address the corrosion, making it weathertight and to protect the interior. We will also be repainting the cab exterior for its protection and providing new interpretation signage to tell the story of its history at the site and the people who used it. We also hope that our wonderful local volunteers may be able to assist with repainting the jib, which has now been safely lowered to ground level. The work, however, has gathered some concern from local history buffs Will Richards and Ian Dunn. Mr Richards, a resident of Diglis, said, It's been here since the 50s and was a working crane. It shows the importance of this whole area as a commercial centre for the West Midlands long before railways and adequate roads. I think my biggest concern is, is this going to go the same way as the Digless Crane, which was taken away, stolen and never replaced? I want to have some eyes on the situation as we do not want it to go the same way. If we put it in the hands of people who are supposed to preserve it and they do not, it will go. Mr Richards embarked on a 12-year campaign to restore a crane that was stolen from storage after being removed from the nearby Diglis Marina. Worcester City Council has said it will have nothing to do with the work being carried out by the Canal and River Trust. The work is set to begin on Tuesday, August the 15th and will be completed by Friday, October the 6th. The Canal and River Trust wants to host want to host two hard-hat days during the works to allow visitors the chance to see what is happening as part of the Heritage Open Days on Wednesday, September the 13th, and Friday, September the 15th.
0: Well, this story has actually had some national coverage in the last few days, but it's such a good news story, I thought it was important that you, everyone should share it in case you've missed it. It's about the uh, man who risked his life to save a sheep on the uh, coastal uh, Devon coastline. And in fact, I know the area very well as well, so it sort of resonates for me. So it's surrounded by lots of photographs of uh, Chris Oxlade Arnott, the saviour, picking the sheep up from a very perilous and uh, precarious sort of series of rock faces that lead on into the sea. And I'll start the story. This is the moment... A man risked his own safety to save the life of a sheep after it became stranded on rocks at the bottom of a cliff surrounded by rising seawater. Chris Oxlade-Arnott, 51, and his wife Jilly, 55, from Perthshire, were enjoying a scenic coastal walk when they came across the animal stuck near a beach. Jilly had been snapping holiday photos of the picturesque coastline in Willacombe, Devon, when she spotted the sheep in one of her pictures. With the tide coming in, the couple decided they couldn't leave the woolly creature behind to die and Chris began climbing down the steep rock face. He then managed to haul the sheep over his shoulder and carried it back up the rocks to safety on higher ground following a 30-minute rescue mission. The pair believed the sheep had wandered onto the sheer rocks in search of food before getting spooked by the rough sea. Mr Oxlade Arnott said, She was getting hit by the waves, was wet through, clearly exhausted from clinging onto a small ledge, and looked rather pleased to see me. The rocks were jagged and very pointed, with steep edges and limited footholds, which were really nasty, especially when wet. So establishing a suitable route out to her was quite tricky, let alone finding a way back carrying a sheep. But I don't like to see animals in pain or distress, especially if I can help. It didn't look like anyone else was going to assist or had even spotted her, nor was it something I would concern the Coast Guard with at that stage. I used to rock climb and I'm quite sure-footed, so thought the best choice of action was for me to try a rescue. My wife, Jilly, stayed on the clifftop to guide me and call for help if things went badly, but luck was on our side and the sheep was too exhausted to make a fuss. Artist Jilly, who runs the gallery in Pershaw with her husband, added... I was taking scenic photos and spotted this sheep stranded on this rock. It was glaring up at us, like it was saying, help. It had obviously been there a while, but it was stuck. It was shaking, so it was clearly saturated. It was trying to get away from the water. If we had left it, it would have died, and we couldn't walk away. We couldn't live with the what if. Once rescued, the sheep made a few steps and then ate some grass while a family gave Chris a round of applause. It's a nice holiday story,
2: isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> defying scaffolding now reaches all the way to the top of Worcester Cathedral as repairs are carried out following a winter storm. The structure, put up by more scaffolding, now rises all the way up to the very top of the tower, clinging limpet-like to the cathedral. Workers with a head for heights are preparing to add the finishing touches after a pinnacle was toppled by Storm Arwen in November 2021. But first they have to brave the 62-metre-high tower. Levels of scaffolding have been added over the last few weeks to make the repairs after a vortex swirling around the college yard dislodged the pinnacle, sending it crashing through the cathedral roof as Worcester was batted was battered by 100 mile per hour winds. The city may be used to peregrine falcons making a a home in the heights of the cathedral but soon enough there will be new creatures in the structure's bestiary. A crowned lion, a unicorn and a dragon to look out over Worcester. The hope is that the pinnacle can be installed at the end of this month with a delay of eight weeks caused by the nesting peregrines. As well as installing the new north-facing pinnacle, it's part of a twin set, the east-facing pinnacle, which sustained fractures within its base due to the storm, will be dismantled and rebuilt with restoration work to the base shaft stones. Apprentice stonemasons Debbie Branford and Alfie Rollett will replace the cornice stones on the north upper choir clerestory parapet, cutting out and replacing the damaged cornice stones. The new north-facing pinnacle will comprise a unicorn and a lion head, crafted by stonemason Neil Berry, and a dragon's head created by master mason Darren Steele. These are to represent the royal beasts and will commemorate the coronation year. The unicorn will have an oak horn made by the cathedral carpenter Dave Skip. Some of the pinnacle crocket stones have been carved by a freelance stonemason Saul Sheldon, who worked as a mason at the Cathedral in the past. Craig Atten, another freelancer who trained here at Worcester Cathedral, will be joining the team to help with dismantling the damaged pinnacle, whilst the Cathedral team will be covering the restoration and repair. The new pinnacle is made of red sandstone called Hollington and was purchased from Hollington Quarry, its place of origin in Hollington Village, Staffordshire. Chief Operating Officer Matthew Hall said it was one of the biggest scaffolding jobs they had ever had and the biggest ever undertaken by Malvern Scaffolding. Stonemasons have taken some of their inspiration for the Royal Beasts from the Royal Palace of Hampton Court. The work, which is expected to take 12 weeks, started on May 30th and the damaged pinnacle was carved in the
3: 1950s. Thank you, Catherine um a story now about some romanian burglars who who are facing jail romanian burglars have admitted stealing high value watches worth thousands of pounds during two raids and now face potential deportation ion mandalachi and george belan have both admitted burglary following break-ins at kemsey homes they were stopped by police in worcester boxed in by marked and unmarked cars and prevented from escaping Now in custody, the Kempsey Rolex watch burglars face jail and possible deportation if they receive a long enough sentence at Worcester Crown Court. Both were apprehended during a dynamic stop in Henrick Road in St John's. During the burglaries, Rolex and Breitling watches were stolen but have now been recovered and will soon be reunited with their owner. Rolex watches of this type, the Rolex Oyster Perpetual Date Just, sell for between £5,700 and £33,524 online. One burglary happened on Monday, July 3rd at a home in Main Road, Kemsey, and another at Symbiosis House in Bestman's Lane, Kemsey, on Friday, June 30th. Manalaki and Baland both have no fixed abode remain in custody and are due to appearing in Worcester Crown Court on Thursday, the September the 7th, for sentence. They appeared at Worcester Crown Court on Monday, August the 7th, where guilty pleas were entered. A delay was caused as both defendants required a Romanian interpreter. Detective Constable Will Goodsull of West Mercia Police said, They have pleaded guilty are being linked to a few regional offences. We intend to reunite the owner with their property as soon as possible. A foreign national, so long as they're not an Irish citizen, is liable for deportation where they have been convicted of a criminal offence for which they have received a custodial sentence of at least 12 months, or if the Secretary of State considers that the deportation of the foreign national is conducive to the public good, or if they are a spouse, civil partner or child aged under 18 of a foreign national who is or has been ordered to be deported."
1: The next story is about a little girl um, who needs to find a stem cell bone marrow donor to give her the best chance of surviving a life-threatening condition. The family of Amelia Mackay hope a donor can be found as soon as possible so that she can have a transplant which could save her life. Amelia Mackay who was born at Worcestershire Royal Hospital, was diagnosed in May with aplastic anaemia, a life-threatening condition affecting her bone marrow. Her dad, James Mackay of Redditch, a car sales manager, and mum, Steph Mackay, who teaches at Lunnery Wood High School in Worcester, are raising awareness of the condition and funds to help in the battle for Amelia and others. Amelia is on both the NHS database and the DKMS database of bone marrow donors worldwide to increase her chance of finding a match. Since their appeal has been launched, 598 people have now signed up as potential bone marrow donors on her DKMS page, which could help find not only a match for Amelia but others waiting for a transplant. Mr Mackay, aged 38, described his daughter as resilient and brave, despite having to go to Worcestershire Royal Hospital every Monday for blood tests and have blood transfusions every fortnight, a process which lasts three and a half hours. We're doing all we can to find a match for her, he said. Mr Mackay, who described the medical staff at Worcester as brilliant, said she loves music and dancing and she's learning to play the drums. Each week, she and her big sister, Ellie, aged 10, attend Amelia's Dance Academy in Redditch. She cannot produce the right amount of red blood cells, platelets or white blood cells. This has resulted in rashes, bruising, tiredness and she is susceptible to infections. Amelia's illness and the short-term treatment she is receiving mean she misses out on many things a normal five-year-old would usually do. The best way of treating the illness is for Amelia to receive a stem cell bone marrow transplant from someone who is a suitable match. We are greatly appreciative of anyone who is willing to be tested to help Amelia and others like her with these devastating conditions. The family has been tested, but none are a suitable match. Mr Mackay added, if we're lucky and find a match for Amelia, then she has a long, painful road ahead. She will receive chemotherapy just like a cancer patient in order to kill off her existing stem cells and bone marrow. This will mean months in hospital on a a children's cancer oncology ward as she'll have no immune system and be susceptible to infection whilst receiving treatment. To support the family, visit www.gofundme.com forward slash F -f 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 forward slash F Amelia needs our help to fight aplastic anaemia. Any funds they do not need for Amelia will go to the Grace Kelly Childhood Cancer Trust, DKMS and the Aplastic Anaemia Trust.
0: A trio of leading athletes has inspired Worcester children to lace up their running shoes with a visit to a school in the city. Track and field stars Hannah England, Izzy Boffy and Abby Ives popped into St Barnabas School just before the summer holidays to meet pupils and chat about running. The visit was arranged by the organisers of the Worcester City Runs, which will take place on September the 16th and 17th. Hannah England was one of Team GB's most successful middle distance athletes for over a decade, during her career, she won a world championship silver in the 1500 <laughs> metres in 2011 and competed at the London Olympic Games in 2012. Izzy Boffy, 23, is an up-and-coming star who claimed the 800-metre title at the British Indoor Championships early this year and has just been selected to represent Team GB at the World Athletics Championships in Budapest later this month. Abby Ives is just 19, but in May broke the two-minute barrier in the 800 metres joining an exclusive list of elite women and confirming her status as an athlete to watch. St Barnabas C of E Primary School has a very proactive approach to sport and physical activity. Pupils take part in the Daily Mile and other running events and initiatives. The school has subsidised entries into this year's Young Athletes Run at the Worcester City Runs and 62 children have signed up, while some of the staff will also line up in the Worcester City 10k on the same day. Impressed by the school's commitment to encouraging young people to get active, event founder Steve Cram arranged for Hannah, Izzy and Abby to visit and give the youngsters some tips on how to prepare for their race next month. The Worcester City Runs are being organised by Events of the North in partnership with Worcester City Council and Official Charity partnership Partner, sorry, Worcestershire Acute Hospitals Charity. The weekend of events will begin with Paula Radcliffe's Families on Track on the morning of Saturday, September the 16th, which will see family groups working together to complete 10k in a relay format at a safe, secure venue at Worcester Racecourse. The Worcester City Half Marathon, 10K and Young Athletes Run will all be held on Sunday, September the 17th. Sarah Hansen, head teacher of St Barnabas C of E Primary School said, What an incredible inspiration for our children to have a day with world-class athletes Hannah, Izzy and Abby. We're doing all we can to make sure our children stay active and aspire to achieve great things. Our school community is excited to be the first school to enter our children as a group, to the Worcester City Run and we have no doubt they'll be the first on the start line with big smiles on their faces. The legacy of events like this ripples through the school for years and we're over the moon that we can give the children this superb opportunity. Ahead of that we'll all be cheering on Izzy at the World Athletics Championships from back here in Worcester. Places for all of the events at the 2023 Worcester City Runs can be booked at www.worcestercityrun.com
2: A councillor has raised concerns about water being discharged into the river by Seven Trent. John Renshaw, a parish councillor in St Peter's, filmed greeny-brown water being discharged into Diglis Basin from the water company's treatment works on Saturday, August 13th. Seven Trent said the water pictured is absolutely not sewage, and is actually something called final effluent water that has been through the final stage of treatment and disinfection before being released back into the watercourse. This is done under monitored and controlled consents and permits from the Environment Agency. Councillor Renshaw said he noticed the water being discharged into the river while cycling through Riverside Park in Worcester on Saturday afternoon. I walked along the same route at 11.30am on Sunday and it was still being discharged 21 hours later, he said. Whatever the discharge was, it had a greeny-brown colour and was foaming up along the banks of the river. I dread to think what was in it. As you can see from some of the photos, and, and one is included with this article, whatever it was that Seven Trent discharged into the River Severn, created foam downstream from the sewage treatment works outlet close to the fish ladder to a point roughly 100 metres south of the diggles footbridge. I'm sure that Seven Trent will say the discharge was compliant, but I certainly wouldn't have wanted to be canoeing, paddleboarding or angling with a discharge like that taking place nearby. Luke McCusker, senior river ranger at Seven Trent, said... We'd like to reassure people that what can be seen is water that has gone through the final stage of our treatment process. As a precaution, the site operators have inspected the area and outlets and we can confirm this is a normal controlled release of treated water back to the water course with all the correct consent and permits from the Environment Agency.
3: Okay. Fun seekers enjoy show. Thousands of people arrived at Pitchcroft to celebrate one of Worcester's Best Love annual events. Worcester Show on Sunday saw visitors enjoying live music, funfair rides, dog shows, free activities and plenty of food and drink. Worcester Mellor also brought an extravaganza of South Asian arts and entertainment to the community marquee. People were also able to listen to live Punjabi music being played on the stage. Councillor Jabba Riaz said, This show is fantastic this year. The crowd is amazing. Look at the diversity in the crowd. That is exactly what we want to see. We're pushing boundaries and we are uniting the community. We love Worcester. And we are really thankful that the weather has been good today. Penny and her dad, Ben Sloan, were playing with the building blocks in the play area while enjoying the sun. Mr Sloan said, we live in Worcester, but this is the first time we've come here. It's really good. There were more than 140 classes at the show, ranging from flowers and homegrown vegetables to arts and crafts and cookery. This year, there were several new competitions, including visible mending, pressed flowers and creative technology. Visitors were able to play cage football for the first time this year at the event. Cage football is an innovative way to stop the ball going too far off the pitch. Worcester City Football Club were managing this football in the sports zone. Reenactors from Tudor House were also at the event, and the cast from Aladdin wowed the crowds with their costumes. Dancers even caught the eye of 22-month-old Maddie Freebury, who had a lovely time dancing with them. Her mum, Gillian Lyne, said, She's doing so well. The event is really fun, and everyone is so friendly here. And while we're in a festive spirit, let's just note that Worcester Victorian Christmas Fair if it's not too early to mention that, is set to bring festive cheer to the city between Thursday, November the 30th, and Sunday, December the 3rd. There's one for your long-term diary there. It says the first the fair first came to the city in 1992, and traders have been setting up their stalls and welcoming visitors to the backdrop of Friar Street and New Street for 20 years. Around 20, 200 stalls, there's something wrong there, isn't there? That should be 30 years. Anyway, around 200 stalls will be lining the streets with handmade items and Christmas treats this year. Independent businesses from around Worcestershire will be selling food and drink. Children will be able to play on the carousel and fun fair and visitors will enjoy live music, traditional carols and school choirs on the stages. There's something to look forward to, Jane. Oh,
1: Christmas. Oh, Lord. Coffee break now, so you can...
2: Yes.
3: Oh, that didn't go down too well. No, it didn't really. oh, reminding miserable. me of. I mean, <laughs> you are carry on. Right,
1: we are recording, Jane. Go. And this story is about cures for the beer festival. Long queues were snaking down the street on the final day of a popular beer and cider festival at the weekend. Thousands of people made their way to Pitchcroft in Worcester for the Worcester Beer, Cider and Perry Festival, which took place over three days from Thursday to Saturday. The popular festival served a selection of beer, cider, perry, and prosecco, which had been sourced around Worcestershire. The festival offered 150 casks, providing 60 different ales, 80 ciders and perries, and fruit and grape wine for festival goers to get their hands on. Saturday marked the last day of the event and the windy weather, with the occasional threat of rain, did not put people off. Although the event had a slow start, punters soon started queuing down the street by noon. Security guards, Jermaine Thomas and Inka Runick, were at the door welcoming excited punters. Lauren Eastlake and Tom Hutchinson were sat on the benches enjoying their drinks and said they were happy to welcome the festival back after its four-year hiatus. Mr Hutchinson said, ''We're really glad it's back. We've tried to come to the festival over the past years.'' Jason Norledge and Mark Gears were also sitting on one of the benches while they enjoyed their drinks. And Mr. Gears said, "We're long timers at this festival." Fred Carter, cider manager, said the team ordered more drinks this year in order to avoid running out. He said the festival is fabulous. It's drinking weather, but we can get people, but we can get people inside if it starts to rain. Mike Love. Becky Stafford and Dan Jones were also happy to be at the festival after four years. Mike Love said it's good to be back. The festival is always a good one. Several food vendors were also at the event, including Ashley Walton from the Tipsy Stag Bar. Mr Walton opened his new business in March and plated up food and drinks over the first three days. He said, I hope the weather holds out and people enjoy the day and they like our beers and ciders. The final day should be good. The live music will be a good way to finish off. People will be able to get a
0: drink and have a dance. Uh, Health warning is the next article. Um, Rude Health Foods, a brand known for its organic dairy-free milk alternatives, has recalled a popular breakfast item – as it may contain small stones. The company is recalling its low-sugar granola, almond and hazelnut because it could be unsafe to eat as there is a possible choking hazard and could cause harm if bitten. The specific item affected is Root Health Low Sugar Granola Almond and Hazelnut, pack size 400 grams and best before end dates of 17th of April 2024, 11th of May, 2024, and 12th of June, 2024. Root Health Foods said, If you have bought the above product, we advise you not to consume it. Please return the product to the store for a full refund, with or without a receipt. It added, No other batches of low-sugar granola or other Root Health products are affected by this recall. This is not an allergen risk. Point-of-sale notices will be displayed in all retail stores that
2: are selling this product. An overgrown green space which fell into disrepair has been reclaimed with a discovery day for families to have fun this weekend and help decide its future. As part of the Worcester Festival on Saturday, that's in two days' time, on the 19th of August, a section of the Woodman Cot Green Space in Warnden will host Discovery Day. The Family Fun Day will take place between noon and 3pm on Saturday. Visitors will be offered free ice cream, giant Jenga and a Name a Bee Bank competition. As previously reported, the area fell into disrepair around 2008 and over time has become derelict and inaccessible, even compared by some to a jungle. The Woodman Cot Discovery Day is run by Sanctuary Housing and supported by the Worcestershire Wildlife Trust. It will also be an opportunity for people to visit the site and consult on its regeneration and redevelopment, collecting ideas for promoting and learning about wildlife, adventurous children's play spaces and garden vegetable beds. A subsequent phase could deliver allotments, perhaps with some shared access from the Cranham Primary School. Warndon City Labour Councillor Jill De Serra has been working on it with both parties. She said, Having the Worcestershire Wildlife Trust help sanctuary housing to restore this space to the community is very welcome. Over the 15 years it's been allowed to run wild, many interesting species of wildlife have made it their home and there is no plan to sacrifice them in this restoration. On the contrary, the aim will be to deliver a sustainable space which is adapted just enough to allow people the access to enjoy it too. How this will look exactly still has to be defined. Ideas, collaboration and cooperation are sought from local residents as well as wildlife experts. And all views will be listened to as the scheme is brought to life. Currently, we hope the project will be completed by spring 2024. I think it's very exciting and I hope local Warnden residents will agree. And there's a photograph of uh, rather jungle-looking um, vegetation. And there's another photograph of the councillor, Jill De Serra, standing in front of what looks like a, an area that's been strimmed, which you know might provide some space for this discovery
3: day. There you go. We're into space here as well now. Missions plan to build homes. A charity is looking to build social housing as part of a move to build a stronger Christian community in Tolladyne. Tolladyne Mission, a charity formed to meet spiritual and housing needs in part of Worcester, have asked for permission to build three self-contained eco-friendly pods on church land off Tolladyne Road. The two one-bed and one two-bed pods would be rented to vulnerable tenants and sustainably built to make them as easy to heat and as cheap to run as possible. We are looking to build a high specification using sustainable products and modern practice to ensure running costs for the new units is as minimal as possible, read a statement included with the application. The units will be fabricated off-site and finished on-site. The charity said the rent would eventually help pay for more social housing as well as contribute towards funding the mission's work across Toledyne. We aim to have a mission community in Tolladyne that will energise and motivate the people as a call to action, the mission's website said. Our vision is for a self-funding model where missioners work part-time for the mission in return for accommodation, but also work part-time elsewhere. The mission will partly be funded by the provision of socially supported housing. The charity already works with the Diocese of Worcester at St Barnabas Church off Astwood Road. The diocese has leased 214 Tolladine Road to the charity for 15 years and talks are ongoing over buying a large part of the garden to divide for the new social housing. The charity is also looking at some of the city's training facilities, such as Transition Worcester and the building block at Worcester Community Trust to help build and decorate the pods, with the hope that future residents can eventually pitch in with constructing their new homes. You can have your say on the plan by visiting Worcester, City's, Worcester City Council's website. The application number is 23-00677-PIP, and the consultation ends on August the 22nd.
1: Uh, and this is about a resident who slammed his housing association after he says he was forced to walk across a car park in his dressing gown to another block of flats to shower. Stephen Burton of Cripplegate House in St John's, Worcester, has been forced to shower at a nearby seven house due to ongoing issues with water pressure and the water temperature. When running the shower, Mr Burton claims the pressure has been extremely poor and the water has been freezing. He says this has been going on for the last two weeks. The pressure was going intermittently high and low and was fluctuating between boiling hot and freezing cold. I've complained numerous times to my housing officer, who's really good, but the issue goes beyond him. I've now placed a formal complaint with Platform Housing, asking for a reference number so that I can take it further to the government's housing ombudsman. As a temporary fix, they've offered us to walk across the car park full of pedestrians to use the shower facilities in the other block, in a guest flat. It's not at all ideal. We have to share it with who knows how many people. When you have to walk across the car park just to get a shower, when, as a tenant, I'm paying £550 a month, it's just not on. Linda Colburn, Director of Asset Management and Sustainability, said the issue is a result of a burst pipe. She said, we're sorry to hear that Mr Burton is unhappy with the service he's received and understand the inconvenience he's suffered. Unfortunately, a burst pipe in the road outside Cripplegate has resulted in disturbance to the pressure in the system feeding Mr Burton's shower. We have had specialist contractors on site twice this week to examine the pumps and try to establish the root cause of the issues. There are no faults on the pumps and it is believed that the disruption to pressure was caused by the burst pipe and could be alleviated by running the taps in all flats. Whilst this has proved successful in most cases, there remains the issue with Mr Burton's shower. We've provided Mr Burton with an alternative um, facilities while we work to resolve the issue. I'm put in here, the alternative facilities are those across the car park, obviously. Cripplegate House, Henwick House and Seven House consists of 244 flats built in 1969 and
0: renovated in 1984. So this is not a sports story, but it is about cricket. Worcestershire County Cricket Club's latest campaign in the Metro Bank One Day Cup has received an unprecedented surge in ticket sales. With numbers reaching heights unseen in more than 10 years, the club has successfully attracted cricket enthusiasts and families alike by introducing various family friendly initiatives, enhancing the overall match day experience for spectators. The club recognised the need to appeal to a broader audience and create a welcoming atmosphere for families at New Road. With an aim of keeping the younger audience engaged throughout the match, the club introduced a vibrant and free inflatable zone. Cricket skill workshops are also available for juniors who can learn from professional coaches and fine-tune their cricketing abilities. One of the key drivers behind the soaring ticket sales is the club's decision to offer advanced tickets at a competitive price. The club made the move after recognising the financial strain on families in the current climate. Adults can now secure their spot at the match for just £10, while juniors can purchase tickets for a pound, making it more of an affordable outing for families. As part of efforts to enhance the overall experience, the club allows spectators to stroll across the pitch during the interval and play ball games on the outfield. This opportunity allows fans to immerse themselves in the game's essence and feel closer to their favourite players. At the end of each match spectators can take part in a player autograph session there's also a food village which boasts a diverse range of dining options and as the one-day cl- cup reaches its climax the club still has three home fixtures scheduled for this august head of commercial and partnerships joe tromans said we're thrilled to witness such an overwhelming response from our supporters and the community for the success of this year's ticket sales demonstrates the importance of making cricket
2: accessible and enjoyable for everyone. A range of courses for Worcestershire teenagers not going to college or sixth form have been unveiled. Worcestershire County Council's learning services have a number of new young adult learning Worcestershire courses starting in September. Young Adult Learning provides a dynamic alternative to traditional sixth-formal college approaches for young people aged 16 to 19 and those up to 24 with an education and healthcare plan, offering tra- traineeships and qualified study programmes in a friendly and supportive environment. Catering to the needs of learners, Young Adult Learning, New Courses, offer diplomas in Hair and Beauty, certificate-level courses in childcare and working in schools, plus bespoke traineeships in a range of subject areas. Learners also get the chance to attain maths and English qualifications they may have missed out on. Kelly Champion, Young Adult Learning Worcestershire contract manager, emphasised the importance of providing diverse educational options. She said, At Young Adult Learning Worcestershire, We recognise that not everyone thrives in a traditional school environment. We're proud to be able to offer a welcoming space where learners can pursue their learning and career aspirations in a setting that can benefit their needs. Unlike conventional classroom settings, our courses are designed to offer more focused attention through smaller, less formal groups. We're very proud of our offer, of the successes we've already seen, and the partnerships we've built up across the county, such as with Careers Worcestershire, Herefordshire and Worcestershire Group Training Association and YMCA. It's important that young adults have the chance to follow their education and career dreams, and I hope that young adults reading this will know that whatever the upcoming A-level and GCS results bring, there is a learning alternative open to you. Young Adult Learning's open courses are conducted at various convenient locations, including Willow Trees Community Centre in Bowley, the Old Needleworks in Redditch, and the dedicated Fairfield Learning Centre in Warnden, Worcester. Study programmes run for an academic year, with traineeships lasting around 6 to 12 months, including practical work placements.
3: OK. Humour helps cancer fight. A recovering cancer patient has told how the power of laughter helped him through his darkest days during his gruelling battle with the disease. Paul Neal, who is now a volunteer at the hospital that treated him Worcestershire Acute Hospitals, shares stories of his journey from being diagnosed with bowel cancer to his recovery. A recent study on the effects of humour therapy conducted by experts in China found that it can be a crucial tool in mental health care. When we laugh, the brain releases endorphins, which relax the whole body. And when people are in a small group, they're up to 30 times more likely to laugh. Paul, aged 62, says that laughter and a positive outlook on life helped him come to terms with his diagnosis. He said, For me, it was just over five weeks from seeing my GP, with what I now know were symptoms of bowel cancer, to being operated on. In my heart, I knew what was coming the actual confirmation came as something of a relief. The hardest part was the two weeks in between having the tests done and getting the diagnosis from my consultant. From speaking to others, they too have found those weeks tough. Your head's all over the place and people just don't know what to say to you. Paul found that creating a conversation around the stigma associated with cancer on social media and making light of the situation helped. Paul added... Cancer affects one in two of us, according to statistics, and it's still talked about in hushed tones. We need to be more open and transparent. And I found that making time for myself without feeling guilty helped a lot, even if it was just going for a coffee with friends or taking a long shower. I do share the story, though, of, after taking a long shower myself, accidentally using Anusol on my toothbrush instead of toothpaste, and a foot spray under my armpits, this raises a smile. Paul recently spoke spoke at a well-being event for patients living with and beyond cancer hosted by Worcestershire Acute Hospitals. Part of the event was a group session led by Aaron Batesta of NHS-backed Laughter Size, a well-being organisation that specialises in delivering fun, feel-good sessions for corporate teams and groups of people. Laughtersize, Size, which works with NHS staff, Amazon, Loughborough University and the British Heart Foundation amongst many, began in 2021 with online team-building sessions for key workers going through the pandemic. Founder Aaron Batista has since delivered nearly £10,000 worth of sessions for free to staff in third-sector organisations, and his sessions have been praised by participants, with 70% of NHS staff claiming to feel less stressed after taking part. Aaron said, We're proud to work with some incredible organisations, and meeting people such as Paul is humbling. There was a great atmosphere in the room, and it was amazing to see so many people who have gone through so much enjoying the release that comes with smiling and laughing.
1: Uh, This is a severely disabled man who's spoken of his troubles trying to find a carer in Worcester. Christopher, Christian Fulton of Wensleydale Drive, has cerebral palsy and muscular dystrophy, meaning he requires support from carers to aid him in everyday life. Mr Fulton has agency workers who come in in the mornings and evenings to help him get in and out of bed, but has no one to assist him in the daytime. He said, The anxiety that's come as a result of not having a carer has been terrible. My previous carer left the role eight to nine weeks ago, and since then I've been trying to carry on without support in the day. Despite my health issues, I'm usually a positive person, but the stress this has brought on has really affected me emotionally. My mum and I have been constantly looking on job sites and social media for people looking for work, but so many are looking for anything but care work. It feels almost impossible. I receive a direct payment through social services, which goes towards the care, but it's up to us to arrange this privately. As part of the care I need, this involves both helping me and also helping around the house, as I'm unable to perform many household tasks. Mr Fulton's mother, Debbie Fulton, is also wheelchair-bound due to her own muscular dystrophy and tries to help her son as much as she can. She said "It's it's not easy without a carer. Christopher does not have the best vision, so he needs somebody that can go out with him and help at traffic lights. It's just incredibly hard to find someone. I'm trying to find my best to cook and clean, but it's also hard for me with my own condition. The agency that comes in the morning and evening also helps me, and it's brilliant, but it just cannot be around as much as is needed. The spokesperson for the Worcestershire Association of Carers said, We're aware that there are some issues in the industry which can be even more difficult for people with complex needs. Through unpaid family carers we hear of increased pressure that some people are now feeling. The spokesperson for Worcestershire County Council said, We haven't been made aware of any changes in Mr Fulton's circumstances and we have contacted him to arrange a review of his current situation, where we will discuss his current situation concerns further and how we can best support him going forward to access personal assistance. Direct payments are a key part of how we help our residents receive care and support they need whilst maintaining their independence. There are a number of options available to residents when they have been allocated their personal budget, including employing personal assistants
0: to help meet their care and support needs. A plan to build desperately needed flood defences on the edge of the city has divided neighbours, who fear the wall will only divide... Divert gushing water towards their homes. The Environment Agency is planning to build flood defences in Toronto Close, next to the River Team on the edge of Worcester, next to the historic English Civil War battle site at Poick Bridge. But while the move, which would see buns and walls installed, has been welcomed by some residents in Toronto Close. Others are concerned that the flood defences will only push the problem elsewhere. The City Edge homes in Lower Wake regularly flood, and a handful of people were forced to evacuate Toronto Close in 2020 when Storm Dennis hit the county. Ian Kerr of Toronto Close said the flood defence was an essential project. And Patricia Woolford, also of Toronto Close, said... The protection was a hugely important development for residents. It would go a long way towards curing the misery and stress that flooding can cause to our homes, she said. However, Daniel Hargreaves of nearby Whitehorse Close said the current plans were unacceptable. While I have complete sympathy with the residents of Toronto Close and would like to support a flood prevention scheme, I cannot support these proposals, he said in an objection to Worcester City Council. To me, the risk of creating flooding in Whitehorse Close is unacceptable, and the documentation does not reduce those concerns. It would take around six months to build the flood defences, according to the Environment Agency. A study submitted with the planning application argued that while flood levels might increase in Columbia Drive, Manitoba Close and Ontario Close, the flooding would would likely only reach gardens and not be a threat to homes. Moira Middleton Powick Mills Old Road said the planned works were a massive worry and was concerned the flood defences would just push the water towards her never-before-flooded home. I've been told historically that the water levels have never reached my height out the back, my height out the back, but certainly we all know what happens when an area is blocked and what happens next door to the water levels. It is surely going to raise the level and I would be at higher risk of flooding if this bund was to take
2: place. Scores of people will enjoy a popular vegan fair when it returns this month. There will be a vegan barbecue, upcycled furniture, plants and vegan friendly stalls at this year's vegan fair organized by RSPCA, Worcester and Mid Worcestershire branch. The popular plant-based event returns to RSPCA Centre at Kemsie on Holdings Lane, Kemsie on Sunday, August the 27th from 11am to 4pm. The fair is coming back after its success last year and the money raised will help to fund the ongoing care of the animals in need of rehoming at the centre. More than 230 cats have already come through the doors at the branch in Kemsie which is a 32% rise compared to the same period last year. Claire Wood from RSPCA Worcester and Mid-Worcestershire Branch said, After last year's highly successful vegan fare, we're very excited to be bringing it once again to our Kemsey Rescue and Rehoming Centre. If you're in a position to take on a pet, please do consider rehoming and not buying. We're seeing a record number of unwanted cats and the situation is showing no sign of slowing down. Together with our small team of fosterers, we've currently got 48 cats and kittens in our care, and we also have a long waiting list. We're also getting calls on an almost daily basis from people who want to relinquish their pets. It's heartbreaking. Funding will help support cats such as five-year-old Alan, who spent the past three years being fed as a stray. Patch has also been a stray, who could have been living on the streets for at least six months. After last year's event, Miss Wood said, We had such an amazing time at our first ever vegan fair. We'd like to say a huge thank you to everyone who attended, from the stallholders to those who came along to support us, and of course our incredible volunteers. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. We had some lovely feedback. And we do hope to bring it back again to the holdings next year. So just to remind you, that's on Sunday, August 27th from 11am to 4pm at Holdings Lane, Chemsey.
3: Party move defended. The council has defended its decision not to award a licence for a weekend street party, which meant the event had to be cancelled. Neighbourhood had organised a street party in Copenhagen Street on Saturday, August 12th, but Worcester City Council said it would not approve a licence. A spokesman for the council said, In principle, we support the idea of holding a family-orientated event on Copenhagen Street, but on this occasion, after consulting colleagues from West Mercia Police and Worcestershire Regulatory Services, it was decided not to grant permission, as we were not confident that the temporary event licensing conditions would be met given the activities planned and the layout submitted. We remain committed to supporting local businesses and community events and we understand the disappointment this decision may have caused. Neighbourhood said it was forced to cancel over fears it could attract too many people, but the organisers are vowing to hold it next year. Clint Webb, co-owner of Neighbourhood, said there were no hard feelings with the organisers vowing to work with the council to build a bigger event in future years. We didn't want to run the risk of overcrowding, he said, so the council suggested we put it on hold and work together to organise a bigger event for 2024. The free family-friendly street party, which would have played host to DJs, street food, live art and entertainment, also featured Copenhagen Street Bars Triple B and the Oil Basin, a boutique craft fair at the Kiln, artist Estée Angéline, pole dancer and instructor Imogen Gunter and the jungle club plant shop which has recently relocated to Pump Street.
1: This is about a massive crack in a retaining wall beneath a major new multi-storey housing development and apparently it's been mysteriously filled in. Um, A huge wall crack beneath the high-rise Sheriff's Gate project has been patched up so that it's now hard to see, but it's still clearly visible when you get close up. We've previously reported how highways engineers from Worcestershire County Council have inspected the wall and have said a collapse is unlikely. They looked at the wall on Monday, July 21st and said the crack did not appear to have been deteriorated since an earlier inspection last summer. The jagged diagonal crack is on a brick-retaining wall at the junction of Tolodyne Road and Sheriff Street beneath the Sheriff's Gate project, which is under construction in Worcester. The crack extends all the way up the wall in a zigzag. However, the crack has now been filled up and patched up, making it far more difficult to see even when you get close to it. The spokesperson for the development said... Elliott Group can confirm that they are not responsible for the recent works on the discussed crack at Tolladine Road. Our commitment to safety remains and we will continue to monitor the area to ensure the well-being of both the development and the community. Contracts Manager Scott Blankburn has described the cracks as weathered and present for many years after an earlier structural survey was carried out. We've approached Worcestershire County Council to see if they're responsible for the patch-up work, but they have yet to provide a comment. The jagged crack was visible in the brick-retaining wall between the multi-storey Sheriff's Gate project, which is under construction, and looms large over the junction of Sheriff Street and Toledine Road. The crack, now filled with grey filler, appears to run right up the side of the wall near the Sheriff Street sign, from the pavement to the summit above which a £150 million housing project sits perched. However, developers say there has been no movement and the situation is being monitored. Work started on the project last July and when finished it will bring hundreds of new apartments, including affordable housing, a hotel, gym, multi-storey car park, food and beverage outlets, a multi-screen cinema and 10-pin bowling to the city. Stenard Harrison, Managing Director of Sheriff's Gate Development, said in a recent statement, the lack of suitable housing has troubled Worcester for far too long, leaving many individuals and families struggling to find suitable, attainable accommodation.
0: One little girl was very privileged and lucky to have five generations of her family at her christening. Mabel Rose English was christened at Clane's Church in August and even got a picture with her mum, Devon Collins, Grandma Hannah Collins, great-grandma Penelope Collis and great-great-grandpa David Dorrell. David Dorrell was born in 1928 and worked as a farmer in Upton for most of his life before he retired. Mr. Dorrell was over the moon when he found out Mabel had been born and made sure he was at the christening, despite being 95. Hannah Collins, who's Mabel's grandma, said, He really wanted to see Mabel being christened. We don't get many opportunities to get together, and this was the first time the whole family had got together since COVID-19. Everyone was really happy, and the highlight of the day was having everyone in the family there. It was a beautiful day, and the sun was shining. Mrs Collins from Worcester said Mabel might look back on the picture when she gets a little older. I think Mabel will feel very privileged and lucky to have five generations at her christening. I can't wait until she's toddling around playing with her cousins because they absolutely love going to grandad's house and playing in the garden. My grandad, that's David, keeps calling Mabel his English rose. Well, that's a nice story to finish the general news uh, items with. And we'll crack on now with sport. Catherine, if you could kick us off, that would be a bit, Oh, kick us off. Yeah. What a pun.
2: So here's a story about football. <laughs> oh, uh, even worse. Worcester Raiders manager Carl Gormley is enjoying watching his side show a different side to their game in the early stages of the Hellenic League Premier season. Raiders secured another clean sheet in their 1-0 win over Westfields at Six Ways on Tuesday evening a result that sees them open up a three-point lead at the top of the table. Their third league success in a row means they have 10 points out of a possible 12 to begin the 2023-24 campaign. But what has really impressed manager Gormley is his side's ability to knuckle down and grind out matches, even when not at their very best. The way we have set up this year means our forward players do have to do a lot more defensive work which doesn't always suit them he said. But they're doing it for the team. Isaac Cooper and Bailey Fuller were probably our best players defensively, which you would probably never have dreamt of saying last year. But as a unit, as a team, they've dug in, especially in the second half. We're over the moon with the result. One nils will take them all day long. We aren't taking much notice of the league table at the minute. It isn't really worth the paper it's written on, is it? But the performances, not just in the league and the FA Cup, but pre-season as well, were over the moon with the whole squad. They've, brought it, they've bought into the way we want to play. There is a lot of hard work being put in off the field. The lads are playing twice a week at the moment, as well as training twice as well. So it's hard work, but when you're getting results like we are, it's all worth it. Raiders went into the season as one of the favourites to be competing for the title in the division and their start in the first handful of games has strengthened those claims. Moving forward, this season is such a massive opportunity for the lads, said Gormley. Everything is in their hands, the players are there and off the field everything is being done for them to make life as easy and as comfortable as possible. It will be a battle, it will be tough but we think we need 15 points
3: more than we got last year. Right, from football to cricket. And this one's headed Derby Defeat. I don't know why matches between local rivals are called derbies. Mm,
0: me too.
3: Anybody out there knows, do let us know because no one around this table seems to know. Rate, right. Warwickshire again took home the bragging rights from the latest derby match with the Worcester Rapids as they romped to a nine wicket win at New Road in the Metro Bank One Day Cup. The hosts were skittled for a measly 108 with Matthew Waite providing almost half the runs himself with a battling 44. The next best score was 11 from Joe Leach. Barnard then scored 65 from 44 balls, including 10 falls and 1-6, as Warwickshire reached their target inside just 17 overs, losing just one wicket. And that's quite significant because Barnard used to play for Worcestershire until very recently. At 25-for-5, it looked like being an embarrassing collapse, but a 33-run stand between Waite and Ben Cox took the score to 58-for-5, but the latter was caught by Yates looking to cut Michael Booth. Waite looked in good touch, and new signing Logan Van Beek gave him good support in a partnership of 28, but there was little he could do when a delivery from Hannan Dalby popped up off a length and he fended it to gully. Waite and Baker were then dismissed in consecutive balls before Pennington was stumped to wrap the innings up for 108. It was always going to be straightforward for Warwickshire and they made light work of the chase. Openers Barnard and Yates put on 103 runs for the first wicket with the former being the one to find a boundary at frequent intervals. Baker did trap Yates' LBW but it was nothing but a very small consolation as the away side cruised to victory.
1: And this is about fans who are going to be separated at the Worcester Derby. Supporters attending the first ever Worcester Derby later this month will be segregated at Six Ways Stadium after an agreement was reached between both clubs. Worcester Raiders will host Worcester City for the first time in a competitive fixture on Wednesday, August 30th in the Hellenic League Premier. Officials from both clubs have been in constant contact in the past month to discuss the best way to manage the contest, and after a meeting earlier this week, a decision has been made to keep home and away fans separate in the 11,000-seater stadium. Other issues discussed in the meeting included how the game will be policed as well as ticket sales. Raiders chairman Steve Harris confirmed to the Worcester News that there will be tickets sold online in the build-up to the match, as well as on the gate. There are expected to be a number of early bird tickets available for a discounted price. It will be the first time City and Raiders have ever come across each other on a pitch after a friendly back in 2018 was cancelled. Raiders have always been at a lower level compared to their city neighbours, but were playing at the same level for the first time in 2022-23 campaign. City have played in the Midland Football League since coming out of the Conference North, but they were moved across to the Hellenic League for the 23rd and tw- for the 23-24 season by the FA, meaning there will be at least two Worcester derbies. Claims Lane will host the reverse fixture on Boxing Day after an appeal to move the game from December the 27th was approved by the league.
0: And a story about tennis. Pershaw's Naomi Tarver admits playing at Wimbledon was a dream come true as she became runner-up on the manicured lawns of SW19. Tarver featured in the national finals at the Play Your Way to Wimbledon event, which took place from August 6th to the 12th. Tava finished second in the Women's Wheelchair Singles event and she reflected fondly on a memorable week in south-west London. I would have preferred a winner's trophy, but a runners-up one is not bad, she said. I wish I could have kept those nerves in check and played a bit better, but I'm happy overall, particularly for my first time on grass, so that was special in itself. I was here only a few weeks ago watching Alfie Hewitt in the finals, so to be here myself is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Worcester's Maddie Walsh competed in the Under-14s Girls Singles event in south-west London, and she hopes the event will provide a springboard to even greater heights. She said, I played quite well, but it's been a bit nerve-wracking. It's really cool to be here. Playing here gives me the confidence I might be able to come back. The competition looks to inspire the next generation of tennis talent, allowing junior players to follow in the footsteps of their heroes and compete for a chance to play on Wimbledon's iconic courts. Play Your Way to Wimbledon, powered by Vodafone, is the UK's largest individual mass participation tennis competition that gives players an opportunity to get and play at Wimbledon. The All England Club and LTA are proud to partner with Vodafone to expand the competition to more players in 2023 with an adult doubles pathway alongside visual impairment, learning disability and wheelchair tennis categories. So that's a nice story and that concludes the sport for this week. And I was going to read out some birthdays from our birthday file. But when I opened the book, dismayed to see we don't have a single birthday this week or next week. So if you're born between the 17th of August or the 25th, let us know because we'd like to be able to wish you a happy birthday next year. Right, it's sunset and sunrise times, which I'm going to have to talk about because I can't find the piece of paper I wrote it on. But I believe from memory that the sun rose this morning at uh, 5.55 and is setting at 8.30pm this evening. I tell you what, while Phil reads the thought for the day, I'll have a little scurry through my papers and see if I can actually find that piece of paper so I can confirm that is the right
3: time. Well, best of luck, Pips, because this isn't very long. (laughs) Um, This is from John chapter 3, verse 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that they did not know him. Too short.
0: OK, I give up. But anyway, it was that because I remember writing it down. Um, I have actually got one more notice that uh, wasn't on my list because it was hidden away in a file. Um, site concern is delighted to invite you to join their summer i explore event and it says we will be holding a summer family fun day on thursday the 24th of august from 10 a.m to 3 p.m at pershaw leisure center the day will include a family swim session a free lunch a soft play session and art and craft opportunities there is a £5 charge per family for the event and booking is essential. This event is for families where any family member is vision impaired and we warmly welcome carers, siblings and grandparents to join in the fun. If you would like any further information and or to book your family a space at the event, please contact Site Concern on 01905 723 245 or at info at siteconcern.co.uk and that's all lowercase info at siteconcern so that's on Thursday August the 24th from 10 till 3 Pershore Leisure Centre Right, so we've done all that we have to for this week and it brings us, sadly to the end of this week's recording I'd like to thank um, my readers today and I'm sure they'd like to say goodbye, so Catherine Goodbye. And from Phil. Goodbye. And Jane. Goodbye. And John on the other side of the team. And goodbye from me and have a good weekend ahead.
2: Bye. Here are the obituaries for this week. Henry Morris passed away peacefully at home on the 31st of July, 2023, aged 85. A service of Thanksgiving will take place at St. Mary's Church, Kemsey on Saturday the 26th of August at 11am. Donations in memory of Henry are invited for the British Heart Foundation and the Kemsey Bell Fund, cheques payable to PCC Kemsey. Lawrence David Parker passed away on the 30th of July 2023. A service to celebrate Laurie's life will have taken place at Worcester Crematorium on Friday the 18th of August. Family flowers only, please. Donations if desired to the Woodland Trust. Any inquiries to Worcester Co-op Funeral Care, 17 Lowersmoor, Worcester, WR1 2RS 01905 22137.
3: Brian Francis Averill passed away on Monday, the 31st of July 2023, aged 88. A memorial service to celebrate his life will be held at Worcester Crematorium on Friday, October the 6th at 11.30am. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for... Now, it says RSBP here. I'm wondering if that should be RSPB. Sorry if that leaves you rather confused. May be left on the plate at the crematorium or sent to Bedwardine Funeral Services, the Coach House, 30 Bromyard Road. And that's Worcester WR25BT. Joan Blinko passed away on the 31st of July. A funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on the 21st of August at 1pm. This will be followed by refreshments at the Swan Theatre. Flowers are welcome. Ordinations can be made to the Brain Tumour Charity. Care of Jackson Family Funeral Directors, Worcester wr One ja
1: Langard, Peter. Langard, Lifford Hall, Accountants Birmingham passed away peacefully at his home in Broadworth on the 4th of August 2023 after a long illness aged 83 years. Funeral service at St Mary Magdalene, Broadworth. wr five nq on Friday, 8th of September at 11am. Inquiries to Bedwardine Funeral Services Worcester 01905 Staples Joan Elizabeth passed away peacefully on August the third, two thousand and twenty-three, aged ninety-three years. Funeral service to take place at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the twenty-fourth of August at two thirty p.m. Family flowers only, please, with donations to the Donkey Sanctuary via www.thedonkeysanctuary.org.uk uk forward slash support us. Slash donate. Enquiries to Bedwardine Funeral Services, 30 Bromyard Road, St John's, Worcester, wr 5 01905 748811. Davies, Edward Edmund Rees. Sadly passed away at Blandford Community Hospital on Saturday 29th of July 2023, aged 96 years. Funeral service will take place on Friday, the twenty-fifth of August, two thousand and twenty-three, at Our Lady Queen of Peace at twelve noon, followed by committal at St John's Cemetery. Donations, if desired, can be sent to the Commercial Travellers Benevolent Institution. All inquiries to A V Band Funeral Directors, St John's, Worcester, W R two four L E, O one nine o five. Nine four seven two seven two, Sanders, Yvonne Margaret Eve Nay Southard, passed away peacefully at St John's St Richard's Hospice on sixth of August two thousand and twenty three, aged seventy seven years. Funeral service at St John's Church on Tuesday twenty ninth of August at twelve noon, followed by private interment. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, for Kidney Research UK may be left at the church or sent to Bedwardine Funeral Services, 01905 74